Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Blue Collar Real Estate. I'm Greg Mayo. And I am Ryan Herget. Today, we are going to be diving into something Greg has shed a lot of light on for me, and that is the architectural style of building homes. Because... You're that, excited about it, I can tell. I, number one, I love it. I think it's the coolest thing ever. It's it's a form of art all by itself. And unfortunately, is also a point of contention because a lot of real estate agents don't know it, don't know architectural styles. And, and, and on the BLC, which we'll see in a few minutes, on the listing service, they get it wrong. Yeah, this is so this is one of those things that, you know, they don't teach you necessarily in real estate school. And there's really not a class after real estate school that teaches you this. You're just kind of supposed to learn it and know it. So before we get started with that, I did want to just take a quick second that if you're new to Blue Collar Real Estate, I want to just m- make sure that you're aware of kind of what we're all about here. And that is that we are just all really trying to provide a very transparent behind the curtain look of what's going on in the business of real estate from a very practical, actionable perspective and just really shed some light on what's really going on behind the scenes, behind what actually happens between episodes of HGTV. And uh, this is one of those topics that I think just doesn't get discussed at all. And people don't know. They hear these terms like mid-century modern. They hear these terms like, uh, you know, a barn, you know, barn style house, but that's not what it is. That's what I call it. Right. But, uh, But that's what we're here to do today is really just shed some light, some real practical application to what the heck are you looking at when you're on Zillow looking at homes and what's that actually called when you talk to your real estate agent. And so if, if you're watching for the first time or listening for the first time, don't forget like rate and subscribe, please review. And we'd definitely love to hear from you because your engagement's what this is all about. This, Like I said, this show is just all about providing some practical, actionable takeaways and really showing people what's going on behind the curtain of real estate. So, Greg, let's get started on this and well, uh, show people what's up. And today's episode, by the way. Oh, boy. What'd you come up with today? Brought to you by Walt's Porta Potty and Food Delivery Service. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Depending on what you order, they'll wait. <laughs> I think you know what I'm saying. So... We're happy to have them on board as sponsors. Good living. Good living. So what's the first one we're going to take a look at here today, Greg? Because I I know you were going through the MLS the other day, and and this stuff just absolutely, excuse my language here, but it just pisses you off, which makes me laugh. (laughs) (laughs) But you were going through the MLS, and you saw this house. It's a really cool house. It's a relatively new construction home. And uh, if you are listening to us, I want to encourage you on this episode, go to YouTube, check this out, maybe Facebook, and watch the video on this because we're going to have some videos and some, not videos, but we're going to have some pictures of different architectural styles. So that way you can kind of tune in and see what we're actually talking about here. Yeah. And if we can go to the first picture. So this house is not a mid-century modern, by this, the way. This is the one that lit the fire. Yeah, it is. And it's it, it's listed on the BLC as a mid-century modern. So now when you say mid-century modern, I don't even know what that is. We're going to get into the well, – I do now. But we're going to get into that here in a minute and actually show people what a mid-century modern is. But this home was listed in our real estate MLS. We call it a BLC here in Indianapolis, Broker Listing Co-op. I don't know why they changed that name. But nevertheless, <laughs> that's what this – you know, this real estate agent that had this home listed for sale, we shall not name names, but – inaccurately had this home listed. And you're like, well, who the hell cares about that? Well, here's why it matters, because when you are searching for homes on Zillow or trulyarealtor.com, any of the major search platforms, this is a a category that you can sort and filter from because there's a certain demographic of people, not necessarily demographic, but certain percentage of the population that they care about this stuff. Right. This is important to them. And when you do a search and then it's like you go to a restaurant, you order a hamburger, you expect a hamburger to be delivered, not a shrimp cocktail, right? And that's what this is. It's like, it's just wrong. It's inaccurate. So we're here and, to pull that curtain back. A and bit. as an agent, your job is to know your job. What is That's your it. job? Your job is houses. 
be a professional. Your whole life should be houses. Um, this is actually an arts and a craft style. If you look at it, even though it's a new build, if we go to the next slide and just dig right in here. All right, so this is a craftsman house. You can kind of see the similarities between this and the other one. Okay, so for the people that aren't you know, watching on YouTube right now, let's kind of describe this house and actually what this is. What makes up a craftsman-style home? Tell, tell us about that. Uh, well, a lot of it has to do with the details. It's all about the details. It's all about celebrating the craftsman that built the stinking house, right? So you often have tapered columns on the front, often a story and a half. Um, there's corbels and brackets, but they're simple. Yeah. Uh, and if you're – these are the corbels and brackets if you're watching where I'm pointing back there. Um, so what I'm thinking on this, not to interrupt you, but when you say craftsman, craftsman simply meaning you've got a master craftsman that is designing, that is you know using the products available in this home to make it look a very specific way. Is right. that fair? Exactly. And, and, and if you go on the inside of a lot of craftsman homes, there's a lot of built-ins. Absolutely. Um, there's a lot of natural elements on the outside, so a lot of wood, a lot of stone. Um, they're very, very popular. They've maintained popularity over the years because they're beautifully appointed homes without being incredibly ornate, which we'll get to the ornate thing in a minute. No, I totally agree. And, you know, it's even gotten to the point now where a lot of new home production builders are even offering a craftsman-style model yeah. of some of their different floor plans. And I personally think it's a really, really cool look. Like you said, it just it's, – it's all about celebrating the craftsmanship, the workmanship that people can really put into a home and showing what you can actually do with, do with a lot of these products, I feel. And, and I, I just love this style of house. Now, a lot of people call that a bungalow. Um, Inaccurately, and the next slide will show a bungalow. So this is a bungalow. So for those, again, that aren't watching on YouTube right now, tell us what is a bungalow. Because a lot of these things were built after World War II, you know, when the, you know, the GIs came back into, you know, the, you know they came back home. And, you know, this was a home that was built. I mean, there's thousands of these built, mm -hmm. you know, here in Indianapolis specifically. I mean, I can think of many, many parts of town where we've just got lots of, you know, communities of these bungalow-style homes throughout the city. And they were very popular after World War II. You're exactly right. They The name bungalow comes from the Hindu word or Hindi word, excuse me, um, Bangala, Bangala, if I'm pronoun Boy, pronouncing just... that correctly. And that basically, it means small house. Okay, got it, got it. So so bungalow meaning small house. Now, when somebody's looking at these homes online, what are some characteristics of the house that they could kind of expect to take away or see, et cetera? Um, well, they may borrow a little bit from arts and crafts styling mm -hmm. uh, we, that we saw on the last slide, but it's a small home, simple design. Um, usually, the ones we see, especially around Indy, they're two bedroom, one bath. They're mm -hmm. on a basement, small kitchen. Uh, it, it, the idea of the home, A, was a response to the Victorian movement mm -hmm. when these started coming around. Um, and then, like you said, in the post-World War II time, we had a bunch of GIs. We had a bunch of government programs to help them buy homes. And these were inexpensive to build and inexpensive to own. Yep. Um, and it really just simply provided a lot of affordable housing to people coming back home. And, you know, after World War II, that's when, you know, the baby boomer – you know, the baby boom started was right after World War II. Right. And, you know, so, again, it was a way to find very affordable housing for a lot of people that certainly deserve to be in a home. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of these communities, you know, especially here in Indianapolis, you know, in the Broad Ripple area is an example. There's, you know, there's a lot of these types of homes that just look kick ass now. Mm -hmm. You know, people have gone back and really reinvested in these homes and these communities. And I think they show really well now. They're a lot of fun to look at. Yeah. And, and a lot of them, you're seeing people take a house like the one in the picture, and they're adding elements to it mm -hmm. uh, to make it more craftsman-y, yeah. craftsman-esque, craftsman-ish. How many things can we hyphenate on <laughs> that? Um, but they are. They're great homes. They're uh, oftentimes, if you're going to buy something and remodel it, 
the this is a cheaper way to go because it's a smaller house. Right. There's less windows. There's less kitchen cabinets. There's less flooring. I mean, there's just less everything. Which makes it a lot easier for a lot of people to go ahead and take a project like that on. So I think these are really cool homes myself. I do too. And, And as I said, this is a response to Victorian. Now, Victorian, there's actually six different styles of Victorian. And the next slide. So that's what we're going to get into next. So the Victorian style home, or as I like to call them, castles. Um, they are just amazingly cool. I mean, I've been up on a few of these roofs, uh, and it's crazy. I mean, these are like crazy steep pitch roofs. A lot oh, of yeah. times, you know, you see almost like a church steeple on the top of these a lot of times if you're looking at the at, at the photo here. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got this massive turret right on the front of the home. These are wicked, wicked cool homes. And funny you say wicked because when I was a kid, I called them witch houses. Um, <laughs> There's some elements there. I can see that. What they look like. But they were real popular between 1860 and about 1900. So what inspired this? Because, you know, again, if you're, you know, not, not watching online right now, check like Google Victorian style homes if you're not familiar with this term because you're going to see some amazing architectural and, and, mm-hmm. and just what people have done with these homes is so amazing. I know we've got a couple parts of Indianapolis where these homes are relatively prominent downtown yeah. especially. And, I mean, it's really cool to drive down and see what people have done with these homes. This this style, um, irregular shapes, not symmetrical, the giant porches, ornate woodworking and trim details, all that was a response – Think about it. When they really started coming on, we were in Reconstruction, mm-hmm. post, post-Civil War. And they started coming on, basically people showing they had money. Yeah. Look what I got. Look yeah. what I can do. Uh, and they're beautiful homes. And if you have any appreciation for woodworking or that kind of craftsmanship at all, you'll love walking through one of these. These are oftentimes, you know, when I'm talking to people about real estate, you know, and they are looking for something, you know, that's not like everybody else's house. And, you know, especially they like to sit out on the porch and they like to enjoy a piece of property. These are oftentimes homes that I'll share with people because yeah. it's it's just a way to really, like you said, you know, it's a way to maybe show off a little bit. It's a way to have something different from what everybody else has. And it just stands apart, you know, especially like this one in the photo here. I mean, it just looks wicked, wicked cool. Yeah, it does. And it's got some elements of that craftsmanship to it. But it's a completely different look. And like you said, it looks like a witch's house. (laughs) (laughs) And so... Now, you mentioned that there's six different types of, you know, Victorian homes. We certainly don't need to dive into the, you know, minutiae of all of them. But what are some differences, you know, when you're looking at six different variations of, you know, Victorian-style homes? What can people reasonably expect to see if they, you know, pull up Google Images and take a look at some of this? Um, Well, that's what I would encourage people to do. Mm -hmm. Just look through them. This is a Queen Anne. A Queen Anne. Okay. I didn't know that. I just learned something new. Um, Victorian Queen Anne, named after, you can guess... The queen. Queen Willa. No. Um, <laughs> I don't know. But uh, the, like I said, there's six variations, and it, it all has to do with the level of trim where different elements are put on the outside. It's really hard for me to talk through those without the pictures. I understand. That's uh, fair. So, so thanks for putting me on the spot. You're welcome. Jason, can you edit that minute out? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, no, but yeah, it, it. I love the style of house. I would never own one. Why not? So, all right. So let's hover right there for a second because you just hit on something that I think a lot, and I think I know where you're going with this, but with the, you know, the beauty of these homes also comes what? A crap ton of maintenance. Oh my gosh. Because, you know, when you're looking at a roof like this, and again, go to Google Images and, you know, Google a Victorian style home, you're not getting on that roof to fix that roof repair. You are 100% calling somebody to come fix that because it's not like everything else. It's not just an up and over roof or it's not just a basic, you know, you know, put some new siding on it. It is very intricate in design and there's a lot going on. Well, and just look at this main gable in the front. 
Um, we've got rake boards. We've got a trim piece coming off of that that's kind of like a crown detail or a bed molding that you can't really see. We've got two different types of siding above the windows. We've got four small windows. We've got roof below it. We've got shingle siding on the left and the right. There, and, and then the dental mold, molding, if I can tell which is this. We've got so many different elements just in that one piece. And what's oh, really cool about look this at Jason, is, look at him. Is is this stuff is all handmade? You really have to find a craftsman or a carpenter now that knows what they're doing to put it back the right. way that it was. Once there, was. there's very little on this house that you can go pick up at Home Depot and right. Who, well, they're not a sponsor, or whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, so th- there's so much that you and there's so much that you have to maintain. Yeah. Um, just like when I used to build a lot of decks, right? And people would not maintain them, maintain them, their decks. Them. It's the same thing with this house. You've got to um, paint the wood. You've got to make. You can't let moss grow on it like you can do. Like you can vinyl siding, and then hose it off in a yeah. year and a half. You got to take care of it. And for me, that house there is probably five thousand square feet. Mm-hmm. I don't want to jack with it, right? Because it truly just becomes a lot to maintain, and you've really got to want to own a home like this, I right. feel, and take care of it. Otherwise, it's going to quickly, you know, you know, the the challenges that can occur with a home like this can quickly compound if they're not, you know, maintained regularly year after year after year. And to use an analogy that works in your universe, the car world, um, my wife really wants an MG. Mm-hmm. I think they're great little cars. They're fun to look at. They're fun to ride around in. But they're at this point forty year old, forty plus year old English automobiles so they have maintenance issues yeah you have to wait on parts for months and months at a time so just as i can appreciate this home style i can appreciate that car i don't want to own one right because i don't want to constantly be jacking with it there you go there you go so moving on to another type of home that i again i really really like a lot of these homes but it's the cape cod style home Mm -hmm. now cape cod for somebody again that's not you know watching right now what makes up a cape cod because when i think cape cod i'm thinking way out in boston i'm thinking you know the new england area that's kind of what this looks like to me um cape cod so they're a story and a half Mm -hmm. not a full two-story meaning that your second floor is under the roof and it's basically kind of a finished attic, perhaps. Yeah, Is that fair? yeah, that's a great way to put it. Okay, um, they're balanced and symmetrical. If you're looking, you can see there's two dormers, mm-hmm. perfectly separated. A door right in the middle. Um, steep pitch roof because you got the living space up under it, uh, and there's very sparse exterior trim. Now, when you say exterior trim, that's just around the windows, around the roof line, et cetera, like that, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, c- compared to the picture we just looked at where there's i don't know nine different kinds of trim on the outside of the house this one's very simple it's got one it's very simple but it's super cute and again if these homes are maintained properly and they're taken care of properly these homes look super cool in my opinion and they're not as difficult to maintain because you've got a relatively simple roof line you've got some you know easier components to take care of on a home like this and again i think these are just amazingly cool cool homes and one of the ancillary benefits when building these homes is that you're not you're saving money by not building a full two-story, mm-hmm. but you're getting the extra space that you'd have. Usually there's two bedrooms and a bathroom up, sometimes three. Uh, but you're getting that extra space without the extra cost because right. you're basically, like you said, finishing an attic. 
Now, with these types of homes, is it, you know, we spent last week, we talked a lot about, you know, different building types. We talked about different types of foundations, you know, kind of circling back on what we've talked about up to this point here. You know, is there any certain types of foundations that have to be on homes like this? Is there anything else that when people are out looking at homes like this that maybe they should be aware of when they're, you know, considering maybe a Cape Cod versus Victorian, et cetera? Tell me about that. Some Victorian homes, you will see brick foundations. Interesting. And we talked about the Problems with, with that, that challenges, yeah. opportunities, opportunities. There you go. Um, Cape Cods, the bungalows, because of the time they were built or were prominently built, you're going to see probably cinder block mm-hmm. foundations. Um, anytime you're in a basement or a crawl space, and I know if you're looking at homes, you're probably not down in the crawl space, but if you are, um, certainly if you're in a basement, you want to look for bows in the wall. Mm-hmm. Even a house like this, say this house was built in the 40s. I'm guessing maybe the 50s, um, you're still – we still didn't understand everything we do now about getting water away from the foundation. Mm-hmm. So you can still have the ground pushing in on those walls for 60 or 70 years. Um, ooh. <laughs> one last Sorry. thing I want to hit. <laughs> got Jason Squirrel right over there. Squirrel over there. But uh, one of the things I do want to hit on, on, on this one real quick because you just mentioned like the block foundation walls. And this is something I'm actually going through right now with one of my customers. But, you know, he's got, you know, one of these Cape Cod style homes in the downtown Indianapolis area. And one thing that, you know, he just bought it. He's getting ready to turn it around and resell it. But one of the things we ran into is exactly what you just said is they didn't have the technology or maybe the understanding that we do now of how to get water away from yeah. the house or the importance of it. And we just ran into a substantial challenge. I mean, we had to dig a perimeter drain. We had some bowing walls, which kind of were alluding to that maybe we do have a problem when we bought this. And we had to invest a lot of ugly money in getting this home where it needs to be in order to resell it just simply because nobody had done that for a long, long time. Yeah. And, you know, we saw a lot of challenges with the you know block wall. So we had to literally dig around the entire perimeter of the house, put a new drainage system in there, and then waterproof the entire basement. So there's certainly some challenges that can come with that. But it's going to look really cool when it's done. And it's worth putting the money into if you dig uh, the house. Absolutely. I, I, people, and you've seen it too, they run away from foundation issues. Foundation issues are fixable. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, they're a little costly, or they can be, but it's a fixable problem. And to me, to save a 70-year-old house and give it another 70 years yeah. by doing that foundation work that you guys did, I think that's a great way to go. Cool. Very cool. So that is the Cape Cod style home. Now, one last thing I want to ask you about on this, and you may or may not, you know, be be um, you know familiar with it. But you know, when they say you know Cape Cod, that's obviously a place out in Massachusetts. Is that where this was inspired from? Or tell me about that. You know. Yes. No. That's where it came from. Okay. Cool. It came from New England, and a few of the designs we have came from that area, which makes sense because we started settling that area in the 1600s. So that's where it all started. All right, so the next one we've got on deck here is a very common type of home, especially here in the 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 uh, Midwest, but the ranch style home. Now, I have to ask, and I got to tell a funny story on this. So, when I first moved to Indiana, I went on a date, and she's and I was a young kid from Nebraska. I don't know anything about what a ranch style home was. And her mom, this is pre GPS days. So, this girl's mom is giving me directions to her house. She's like, "Yeah, it's the ranch home. As soon as you turn here, it's going to be on the right hand side of the road." And I'm like. The hell? Like, I'm thinking ranch. Like, I, I grew up watching Dallas on TV, so I'm thinking, like, <laughs> this big ranch community, and I'm like, this is going to be awesome. She's going to be rich. No, it was just a basic one-level home. <laughs> so, anyway, I digress, but that's uh, what a that letdown. was my introduction to a ranch-style home that was not what I originally envisioned. So. <laughs> that's fantastic, dude. So, and if that 
young lady's watching, she's probably like, son of a basket weaver. <laughs> anyway, so this is the most architecturally insignificant homestyle ever. Why? Well, I live in one, um, and I think it's architecturally insignificant. But it's just a box, basically. Now they can do some stuff and pull some roof lines out and yeah, whatever. But it was made popular in through the '60s and through the '80s. Right? Mm-hmm. There were tons of them built. This is where you see a lot of those. You know, where you've got the you know all you know all brick homes. You know, the stone homes. You know, the limestone yeah. you know, exteriors. So you know, these are the homes that you know were built. And you generally see a little bit larger home sites because of the period of time that they were mm-hmm. built. I, I personally really enjoy showing a lot of these homes. Now, one of the things that you know I'm, I'm working on with a buyer right now, we're dealing. I mean, he wants one of these style of homes for his use, and one of the things that we're running into challenges with because of the period of time in which these homes were built. You know, again, the '60s to you know up through the '80s. Man, some of the bedrooms are a little smaller. The closets yeah. are substantially smaller. You know, you don't get a lot of the modern amenities of, you know, the big sprawling open floor plans. You don't get, you know, those big massive walk-in closets with a lot of these homes. Not always, of course, but, you know, certainly from time to time, you're going to be dealing with some of those types of hurdles as you go in and consider maybe a ranch-style home. Is that fair? Yeah. I, my home was built in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And when we bought it, number one, it had a formal dining room. I don't know anybody that's formal dining room people anymore. So right. we converted that into a four bedroom one of the big points of it was in our master bedroom there were actually two closets yeah a small walk-in and then just a standard six-foot reach-in um that was huge back in 78 it was when it was built a lot of times people just didn't have as much stuff that they right. were holding on to and, you know, didn't need, you know, those massive closets and, you know, 48 wardrobe changes, you know, that they're holding on to. And, uh, you know, I personally really like a lot of these homes. I've been in so many of these that people have taken the time and the, and the initiative to go in and really kind of modernize is, you know, you mentioned you got rid of the, the uh, formal dining room, knocked that wall and made another, you know, fourth bedroom. People that have gone in, taken the time to really update these and modernize them, I've seen some just wicked cool designs out there when people will go in and maybe pull down that wall from a more traditional floor plan where you've got that formal living room, yeah. dining room, and family room that were more common during the period of time that these homes were built. And when they maybe pull one of those walls out and kind of reshape what's going on inside the home, I personally think these are really, really cool homes. Well, and the other thing with branches is there's not a lot of windows, mm-hmm. so there's not a lot of opportunities for natural light. Um our house is about 2,000 square feet, and we have one, two, three, four, five, five windows, a picture window, and a patio door. Yeah. And that's not quite a lot for a house that size. One thing I do want to key on, though, there you are. Every one-story house is not a ranch. Why not? Um, because a lot of times, you know, when you go into one of these new, you know, newer style production communities, they still call them ranch homes. So what, what, what's, what specifically makes this a ranch style well, home? When you look at a ranch, you're looking at a house that's wide. Okay. I mean, that's one way to put it. It's, it's wide and, and fairly narrow. Um, like you said, I have almost a half acre lot, mm-hmm. which is unheard of in building today. Yeah. Um, and, but I'm not the only one. My whole neighborhood's like that. Yeah. But my neighborhood was built in the 70s. So the houses are wide. They're long. Um, the roof lines are simple. This one here is a hip roof. We should really do a thing on roofs. We'll talk about that at some point. Um, but the roof lines are simple. The door entry is usually offset mm-hmm. one side or the other. Um, the garage can be forward-facing or side-facing. It doesn't matter. But uh, like a national home built in the 60s. Yeah. Small one-story house. Yep. Not a ranch. Yeah. That goes back to that bungalow-style home that we just talked about, right? Bungalow, not a ranch. There we go. Um, 
So fast forward just a touch, we're going to go to the next style of home now, and that is the American Foursquare style home. So these are these are big homes. You know, there's a lot of these built in the downtown Indianapolis area, mm-hmm. and these can be absolutely massive homes, but they're these huge, almost, you know, big, big, tall, two-story homes, but they are just simply a square box. Right? Yeah. Right. And they take a lot from the craftsman, mm-hmm. if you can look at the details um, in the picture. They are all over Indy. They're real popular, late 1800s to about 1930s-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're literally, it's called a four square because there are four square rooms per floor. Mm-hmm. It, a very simple layout. Um, hip roofs, like you see, the dormers are centered. And these homes came about as a response to the Victorian. What changed there? Do you know the history behind that, you know, between that transition between the Victorian style home up to these four square? Was it that people needed something maybe that cost a little bit less or was it that they needed more space? What were you finding out or what's what's history tell us? Well, just like anything culturally, part of it, there's multiple elements. Part of it was they needed the space, but they didn't have the money for all the foo-foo. Sure. Sure. Uh, It's a technical term. It was. I can tell. All the (laughs) foo-foo. But the other thing is... um, you got people over here that are extreme and ornate and whatever, and then these other folks were like, no, that's too much. Mm-hmm. I want less. Mm-hmm. I don't need all that detail. I don't need all that design. I need a large functional home. The craftsman elements came in because they were popular at the same time that these were being built. So when you look – and we have the same kind of stuff today, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I know people who talk about wanting a Bugatti. I want a Bugatti. Well, I know another one now. <laughs> I don't have any interest. I'd be scared to drive the dang thing. Oh, no way. No uh, way. I came out of the store the other day, and there was just a little – somebody had opened up their door and put a ding on the side of the bed of my truck. And I went, huh, that's that you gotta, sucks. you got to park at the back of the parking lot. That way you get your steps in every day. Right? I do. <laughs> somebody, somebody still dinged didn't me. didn't like you. The point is it, it was like, well, that sucks, whatever. If it, if it had been a Bugatti, um, I probably would have Nest cameras all over the outside <laughs> of the car and chase people down. So anything else about the American Foursquare that would be important for somebody to know when they're actually searching for homes online or maybe when they're considering homes, maybe benefits, pros, cons of this type of architecture? One thing, if you go into one of these houses and you try to modernize it, Mm -hmm. like I said, there's four square rooms per floor. Um, You can do it. You can remove walls, but just about every interior wall is load-bearing. Yeah. Load bearing meaning it supports the foundation or you know the structure of the home. Right. So you know when you pull one of those out or knock one out, re- you know and reconfigure the interior of the home, you need to hire somebody probably, right? Absolutely. Um, and you're looking at eight to twelve thousand dollars to m- remove a wall, properly support the upstairs. So just to get started, there yeah. are some challenges to modernizing them, mm-hmm. um, but I think they're just cool as hell. And the other thing you can do. Just like we talked about with the bungalows that people are starting to redo and, and Sobro and Christian Park and areas like that, with these kind of houses, you can add details and make it more arts and crafts. Yeah. Because we're already leaning that direction anyway. You got it. I've been inside a lot of these homes and, you know, you do, you know, you mentioned with the Victorian, you know, especially inside the house, you know, you see a lot of that craftsmanship in a lot of these older mm-hmm. homes. You know, a lot of times people will go in and they'll cover up the floors just to kind of modernize it. But I've seen so many of these that have been, you know, very, very well redone or taken care of that 
the woodwork is amazing, and it's stuff that you just don't see. I helped a a, 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 a lady down in Fountain Square about two, three years ago that had one of these that she had gone through and absolutely redid everything. It was at one point a double that she had converted into a, a, a single-family home, mm-hmm. and it was just a, a wicked cool home. And everybody that came through our open house, we sold the first weekend. I mean, it was just – they were blown away by the woodwork. I mean, because it's not stuff that you see every day right. anymore. And I mean, hell, like you said, you can't go into a box store and buy that stuff. And to hire somebody to build, you know, that awesome, you know, wood staircase with all the ornate detail in the woodwork. I mean, good night. You're talking fifteen, twenty thousand dollars just to hire the dude to come in and do it. Let alone install it, take care of it, maintain it. So. Yeah. And the further we get away from um, emphasis on the trades, the fewer of those dudes that are out there that can actually do the work. Truly. Truly. That's a conversation for another time. So the next one we're going to kind of dive into is the barn. We're going to talk about barns. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe it's not a barn, but it sort of kind of looks All like All right, one, I got to right? go. Um, <laughs> now, we're going to talk about the Colonial Revival House. Now, why is this a Dutch Colonial Revival and not a Dutch Colonial? I have no idea. You better shed some light on that one for me. Well, uh, a lot of people mislabel it. I did for a long time. But the reason is Dutch Colonials were built in the 1600s mm-hmm. by Dutch settlers mm-hmm. in Colonial America. It's funny makes how they, sense. they make the name all work all together. All those words just come right together when you say it that way, right? But there's none of those houses left that were built in the 1600s. Right. So in the early 20th century, this style became popular again. It's got a gambrel roof, so it looks like a barn. Mm-hmm. The large dormer on the side, the entry doors always on the side. Um, but they came into vogue and people wanted them, thus revival. Mm-hmm. Because they're not actual Dutch colonials that were built in 1600s. So the main thing that makes this, you know, look like that colonial style or, you know, Dutch colonial is 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 that roof line, correct? Is there right. any other specific details, though, that really, you know, when somebody's online looking for homes, they're like, I really, really like that. Is there any other details or nuances about this home that people should be aware of? The large shed dormer on the side, mm-hmm. which is if you're looking on YouTube or Facebook, you see what I'm talking about above the door. The other thing is the entries on the side. Got it. That informs the layout of the interior of the home. Got it. Um, I see a lot of these labeled as craftsmen or arts and crafts. I could see how somebody would get there. But like you said, the Gambrel roof, the barn-style roof line is what gives it away. Right. Or should. Got it. So that is the Dutch Colonial Revival. The next one we're going to talk about is the White House. So we're going to dive into <laughs> the White House right now and what type of – I'm joking. It's going to be course, huge. But, but what is the – you know, this type of home just screams awesomeness in my opinion. I mean you've got these long pillars. You've got – I mean it screams – I've done something. I've got something really, really cool here. I mean, I, I personally love these homes. It's probably one of my favorite. I do too. I I think they're boss. I almost said another word. Um, <laughs> they were designed to resemble a Greek temple, and yeah. clearly they do. They were popular 1820s to about 1850s in this mm-hmm. country. Um, I mean, you look at the columns. It's very symmetrical. It's balanced. Um, decorative exterior trim, but not ornate, mm-hmm. uh, like the Victorian that we looked at. It became known as the national style. And if you drive around Washington, D.C. or a lot of major cities, obviously the White House, but you'll see this style with banks, yeah. with government buildings, with all kinds of stuff. Um, this, the Greek revival thing, the idea was, look where we're at now. Right. You have to remember in the 1820s, starting in the 1820s, we were coming out of uh, some pretty tough economic times. Yeah. If you go back and look at all the trouble we had after we formed officially in 18 or 1789. So 
this was a symbol to the rest of the world. Hey, look, we got it together. We're mm-hmm. the new Greek. Come check it out. Or the new Greece, the new Athens, the city on the hill, you know. Um, now, what are some other specifics about this type of home that maybe people, you know, because take away the columns, it looks like maybe, again, you've just got kind of that square box. But what else stands out with this type of home when somebody's looking for these online or maybe you would entice somebody to maybe want to consider a home like this? Well, when you think Greek temple, mm-hmm. um, and then you look at this, that's funny. That's hard to do backwards. Um, this, the triangle details here mm-hmm. are very Greek temple. If you can look over the door, we've got trim details that suggest that Greek style. Um, here, this three-part trim over the door. We've got, obviously, the columns. Um, but those are the main facade elements, front facade elements, that give that house away. Yep. The inside can be anything. Uh, If there's a specific interior feature about a Greek revival, I don't know what it is. Got it. You're not going to walk in that house uh, in a typical one and see a bunch of marble or... Well, and most of these homes are not going to have, you know, the big grand two-story entrances, you know, because, again, you've got the first and second floor right on top of one another. Am I correct there? I mean, the ones that I've been in and I've looked at and shown clients is, you know, I I mean, it's a great way to get a lot of space. You know, it's a lot of, you know, it's a very large home, generally speaking. You get a lot of great space, but you're not getting that big grand two-story entrance that you do get with a couple of, you know, perhaps the Victorian-style home, et cetera. Right. So so that is the Greek Revival home. Now, the next one we're going to talk about is the Vinyl Village home. I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what it is. We were talking about the traditional American home. This is what, if you're building a brand new house today, I mean, this is one of the most common types of homes being built right now. It's, I mean, it's, it's simply a great way to build a house. It's got a lot of just general benefits to it. There's a lot of different ways that you can build this home, but the traditional American home. Yeah. And it's, it's this home, the earmark is square footage and function over style. Yep. Um, there's not a lot going on architecturally if you look at this one. And they traditional Americans are also one story. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not if you're looking at the picture to get confused and think that has to be a two-story. But it's a hodgepodge of different architectural styles. Um, this one, I mean, there's just nothing. I just see vanilla. But perhaps, you know, you've got a couple gables. You've got, you know, some different types of cut-up roof lines lines, perhaps a dormer, you know, you can put a porch on these, obviously. But, you know, the traditional American home is what most of the homes, you know, at least here in the Midwest, I can't speak for other parts of the country, but here in the Midwest, this is what a lot of times you're going to see. And if you're walking into a new home builder, like a Pulte or a Lennar or something like that, that's generally what you're going to be purchasing from a builder like that is the traditional American style. And and when I say vanilla, I don't mean that in a derogatory sense. Mm -hmm. It's just architecturally, it's a simple home, but you get uh, a boatload of square footage on the inside. Simply more square foot, less money is what you're looking at. Because right. you're not paying for all those ornate details. You're paying for the functional use of the home. And right? the cool thing is the part that you live in, the inside, you can doll that up any way you want it. Yeah. You can make it farmhouse chic. You can make it mid-century modern. I mean, you can do anything on the interior of the home because it's it's they're typically wide open spaces. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. They're... Um, They're a blank palette, if you will. Yeah. No, I mean, you've got a lot to work with. But again, on the outside, you're looking at, you know, more simplistic designs. And, you know, again, this is just simply the way they build to, you know, accommodate the needs of most, you know, not most, but certainly a strong percentage of the population in today's market right now. Right. So, okay. So that is. No, wait. Let's pause. Oh. Uh Let's just take a breath before we get to the next one. Greg's excited. His excited (sighs) voice is going to (laughs) go. Oh, be still my heart. 
So the next one we're going to talk about, and I must Look say, I can't argue with you oh, with you man. on this. Mm. These are wicked, wicked cool homes. And when you see somebody that's done one of these right, it's one you want to go take pictures of. These are the ones that a lot of times Zillow has on the cover. You know, if you pull up the Zillow app right yeah. now, this is what shows up on the Zillow app. I mean, these are these are very, very cool homes. So, Greg, I'll let you take it away at this point. I didn't tell you're excited. I'm just I just going to stare at the picture. That is so All sexy. All right, and I'll take care of talking um, about it. <laughs> no, so mid-century modern, just what it sounds like, um, built from the 1930s to about the mid-60s, mm-hmm. you know, the middle of the century, um, earmarked by low roofs. Now, this one typically or has a flat roof, but you can also have slightly pitched. Mm-hmm. We've even sent them with ga- or hip roofs, mm-hmm. but they're low. They're like 412 or under, right? Um, part of the modernist movement, which – was natural elements, form, uh, natural light. You, these houses typically have a, a boatload of windows. There's clean lines on the outside. You can see the mixed textures on the outside. On this particular one, we've got some horizontal cedar siding, which they carried through the doors, if you I notice. Know, it's wicked cool. I love that. But we've also got some brick on the chimney, and then we've got stucco in the mid part of the house. It, it breaks up the elements, but it's not overly ornate. It's, it's, it's simple, but it's natural element. So it, that house fits into that landscape, I think. It, it, I mean, you can put one of these anywhere, and, it's, and, and if it's done the right way, which most that I've seen are, I mean, it's, it, it's you know, these homes, you know, being, mid, you know, that mid-century modern, I mean, these were, you know, the, you know, the premier architects of the day, you know, the ones that I've seen, you know, and been in of these homes. I mean, it's the people that had a really creative architect that wanted oh, yeah. to really stand out. And people have done such cool things. You mentioned, you know, a lot of windows, you know, as an example, I've been in a couple of these homes where, I mean, literally the entire back wall of the house is a window overlooking a pond or, you know, a lake. We don't have any oceans here in Indiana, unfortunately, but, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, if you've got a view, I mean, people have done such amazing things with these homes and they weren't just remodeled that way they were originally built that way back in the 40s and 50s yeah. that's what i love about it is is it's such forward thinking for the period of time that they were built and and they were built it, like a lot of the houses we've looked at as a statement of art yeah i would agree uh, the mo- modernist art movement inspired this kind of architecture uh, they were huge these styles this style house is huge out in california yeah um some parts of florida but I just love them. I love if you go inside the openness, the the simplicity, the modern um, industrial styling mm-hmm. that people are doing with their homes takes a lot from this. There's a lot of clean lines inside. Um, again, there's not a lot of waste. There's not wasted space. I, I just think they're amazing. And and a lot of times, too, with these homes, I found, you know, in the ones that I've seen, I've shown a strong number of these homes over the years. These, you know, these are the homes I pull out my phone and I take an Instagram photo, you know, or, you know, or video with because the architecture is so cool and, you know, outside, but then inside the design is so cool. And, and, and they're, and they're so much more modern than other homes built in that period. Yeah. You know, we talked about, you know, the traditional homes, you know, that were built with the formal living room, dining room, family room. These didn't really have that. I mean, these were so forward thinking and they had so much more open space, I found, in the ones that I've seen at least. And I've probably been in at least 100 of these you know, types of homes. The floor plans were much more open there. I mean, the floor plans really work for today's buyer. Yeah. So that's what I'm encouraged about it. I mean, I always get excited when I see one of these pop up that matches one of my clients, uh, you know, search criteria because I'm like, we should probably go look at this. And I'm saying that for completely selfish reasons. generally. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm the same way. And what started this whole thing? All these slides we've just gone through was I had a client a couple of years ago looking for a mid-century modern home in the city. I went into the BLC and I did a search for that architecture style. Found one that was labeled correctly? Um, three out of the 11. 
There you go. Um, it really irritated me, but this is the house we were looking for. Now, we ended up finding one eventually, mm-hmm. um, and we were walking through it. And normally, you kind of show a house the same way, right? Mm-hmm. You know this. There's a way to talk about it. There's You, you kind of give them some space and whatever. Well, at one point, and the, the house that we ended up with was probably 3,500 square feet. At one point, I lost my clients. <laughs> Or they lost me. I'm not sure which because I was marveling at yeah. all the stuff I was seeing, um, just the detail, and and it, it was just amazing to me. And eventually, I, I I became conscious of the fact that I didn't have clients anymore. And I was like, oh. <laughs> hey guys, <laughs> they left you. They were busy that day. So the last one we are going to wrap up with, Greg. I'll let you take this one away. Okay. Again, this is not mid-century. This month. is not a mid-century. And month. this is the first one we showed where it was labeled as such. Um, this is. A new build, but it's it everything lends from arts and crafts, mm-hmm. uh, craftsman style house. I actually walked through that house because after I pulled it up on the BLC, I was irritated. <laughs> Did you so, yell at the other agent? No, no. Um, they didn't ask for my opinion. So Weird. I didn't give it to them. Weird. No. So, but I walked through it, and I liked the house. It was done well, but it's just not mid century modern. And and some things that look if you're a realtor watching this, understand that clients look to us as the experts, not just somebody that can unlock the door, show them a house and write a contract for them. We're supposed to be the experts at what we do. I got a lot more to learn. Um, Always learning every day. That's how we all are. I'm trying to catch up with you, but I've got a lot more to learn about this whole thing, but take time. Again, if you're, if you're a realtor, take time to learn about construction methods, about architectural styles to understand what elements are in the house that you're trying to sell. Because number one, if you label it correctly, then somebody that does a search for an arts and crafts house and you label it correctly and you feature those things in your description, you're going to more likely sell the house. You're going to attract the right buyer that's looking for what you're looking for. And, you know, I think it just simply goes beyond that even. It's just, you know, as a professional, one of the things that you have to do if you want to do what you do at the highest level, you have to know your shit. And I don't care if you edit that out, Jason, sorry. But but (laughs) truly, you have to know your shit. And when you label things incorrectly, and I'll give you an example of what I mean by that, is, you know, when you're talking to a client on the phone and they said, I want a mid-century modern or I want a, you know, a Dutch colonial revival home, and you send them anything that's not that, you're immediately not the professional and your credibility factor goes way, way, way down. Right. You know, so simply knowing your shit, knowing what you're talking about, being able to to deliver on what your client is asking you to deliver is imperative. And that's how you simply build credibility. You position yourself as the expert real estate agent versus just every other, you know, real estate agent out there in town that's trying to just show up, show a house and write a contract. That's not what this is about. If you truly know your shit, you know what you're talking about, you know how to deliver on what your client's needs are, A, your client has an infinitely better experience. They're going to send you more referrals and you're going to have a better time working with this person because everybody likes to work with somebody that knows what they're doing. And I look at it like this and I agree with everything you said. We are, and we both see it this way. We are consultants. Absolutely. Um, not salespeople. I would say I'm definitely a salesperson, but you know, but it's a consultive role in order to understand what somebody's needs are and then deliver on those needs, provided that they're not trying to spend you know forty thousand dollars on one of these brand new homes. Well, consultative sales though is different than it. object sales. You got, it. You got um, it. As a consultant, your job, whatever you're consulting on, if you're an IT consultant or whatever, your job is to be the dude or yeah. dudette, right? The source, the information, the professional, um, prepared ready to go. I mean, all these different things we can add onto that. That That's our job with houses. You got it. You and 
if you're out there and you're looking to buy or sell a house and you don't have that, call Ryan. Um, <laughs> I'd say call me, call. but that looks like a shameless plug. So, But that's what we've got for this episode of Blue Collar Real Estate. So I hope this was helpful. We uh, ran a little long on a couple of these, especially at Mid-Century Modern, because Greg and I both geeked out a little bit on that one. But uh, So that's it. I hope this was helpful. I mean, this was really intended for real estate agents and for you know the consumer out there that's looking at you know trying to find the right fit for them. Hopefully, we've been able to shed some light on that. So for this episode of Blue Collar Real Estate, I am Ryan Herget. And I'm Greg Mayo. We appreciate it, everybody. Talk to you later.